looking today in John chapter 16, and we're going to look in verses 5 through uh, 15 in just a few moments. And uh, while you're maybe looking that up, there, um, one, one thing that I like to think about myself is I, I think I, I'm, really not, I'm really not that old, uh, and yet I would say that my generation, uh, people in our generation have probably been more quickly outdated than of any other generation in all of history. And that's because of the incredible leaps and bounds in technological advances. I mean, it is so different. For those of you who were teenagers, maybe a little bit older through the 1980s, I mean, you remember the, those were, you know, that was, the, that was the golden decade. I mean, you know, that's when I had a mullet and I, had, I actually had a perm in the back of my hair. I'm longing for it to come back. Uh, I think about some of the things that I, I still remember when we went from rotary phones to, you know, the, the whatever, the, the punch button ones, you know, which was such a huge, you remember whenever you dial on rotary phones, I was talking to Kelly back there, and you'd get to the last number and you messed up, oh, wasn't that awful? And then you had to start all over again. I mean, that was enough to make you lose your religion. And so then you, we moved from that, and then now we have, uh, we've gone from, I remember when Pong came out, if you remember Pong, the greatest, I thought that was the greatest, you know, like video type of game that there was. And, you know, there's something really incredible about two little, two little uh, eyes, or we call them paddles, and a dot that would go down. We were like, that is a great game. And now, now we have Xbox. And I'm looking at that, and it's, almost, it's lifelike. And so all these advances have taken place, and now we have, now we have these phones. And I don't know how many of you all have an iPhone, but, but one of the apps, one of those really cool apps is Siri. Now, how many of you all have Siri on your phone, use Siri? Isn't that, I just discovered this. Like in the last, my daughter has, I knew some of the basic stuff. My daughter taught me all this extra stuff that you can do with Siri. Um, and y'all, this has nothing to do with the sermon. But one of the things, I actually, I have Siri, my daughter taught me, I can tell, Siri calls me master. I don't know, it's like, that awesome. And so, uh, so we have like a, we're bonding. And so it's like an incredible relationship that we have. Uh, but with the, obviously the thing about Siri though is you can ask, you can ask her any question. By the way, you can, she can actually do Australian accents, which is hilarious. Okay, anyway, and so, uh, but you can talk to it, you ask her questions, she can give you guidance and direction, all these different things. Now, as I thought about that, and I started thinking about our sermon series, there's an app for that, you know, in, in many senses, the scripture has so many apps in here that are much better than the ones that we have on our iPhones. And, and one of the apps that we're going to see today is an app that is similar to Siri, and yet I would say is so much better. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see that Jesus begins to describe, so to speak, this app that's available to us, this app that we can go to that gives direction, that gives leadership, that gives guidance. The question is, are we going to be willing to listen to and use the app that God has provided? And so we're going to see this today in John chapter 16 and verse number 5. And if you look there, uh, as you're turning there, before we get there, what was happening when Jesus gets into this text today is Jesus had just told his disciples that he was getting ready to leave them. He let them know, I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to go to the cross. Um, in John 13, Jesus said, Children, I'm with you a little while longer and you'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. Now this threw the disciples for a loop. I mean, they spent the last three years, day and night, being with Jesus. They finally thought, Jesus, you know, he's on the verge of being a success. 
You know, he's on the verge of finally making a major breakthrough in, in, our, in our country, and he's going to become a leader. And then Jesus stops everything and says, I'm getting ready to leave you. And so they're decimated here, but then Jesus gives good news, and he lets the disciples know, he says, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. He said, I'm going to send somebody else who's going to come in my place who's going to help you. I'm going to send someone who's going to come in my place, and they're going to give you leadership and guidance. They're going to lead you through this life. Now, now who, who was it? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. As I began to think about this passage of Scripture, I thought, man, in a lot of ways, you know, the Holy Spirit's sort of like an updated version of Siri, but better. You know, we think we're so technologically advanced, but God is light years ahead of us. And so today what I want us to see is the, the, the function of the Holy Spirit today. Well, you know, what is the function of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And the very first function I want us to see of the Holy Spirit is He came in order to provide comfort. The Holy Spirit gives us comfort. And I want you to look with me in, in verse number 5. And, and Jesus said, But now I'm going away to Him who sent me, which is God, and not one of you asks me where you're going. Yet because I have spoken, spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. Now there is no doubt that what the disciples needed at this time in their lives, they, they needed comfort. I mean, they thought that Jesus was, you know, he, that he was going to establish himself, that he was going to be this huge leader in Israel. And you have to remember, at this time, Israel was an occupied country. They, they really didn't have freedom. Uh, the Roman government was occupying the land of Israel. The people didn't get along. They were fighting each other. There's, some, there's always some flare-ups. As a matter of fact, within a generation of this text being written, there was a major revolt by the Israelites. And they revolted against Rome. Rome sent in their armies, and they obliterated Israel. Uh, they came in. The temple that was there was absolutely stone for stone, knocked off of Temple Mount. It was gone. That was the last temple that stood on Temple Mount in Israel. And so they, they thought, the disciples thought, before all this happened, they thought, Jesus, he's going to kick them out. He's going to set up rule. That's why a few, a few chapters earlier, the disciples, they're talking to each other. Hey, which one of us is going to be the greatest in this new government that Jesus is going to set up? So they're getting all excited about it. And then Jesus comes along and says, I'm not going to be here much longer. He says, I'm getting ready to die. And my question is, what in the world is going on here? Why, why is he telling them that he's leaving? As a matter of fact, he said, it is for your benefit that I'm getting ready to leave this place. Now, how does that work? Jesus is leaving, and it's for our benefit. It reminded me of, a, of, a, of being a kid when my dad would punish me. And dad would, you know, there, dad would actually, there's this thing called spanking. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that. And so dad would spank me. But before he did, there's times when my dad would tell me. He would say, this is going to hurt me more than you. Have y'all ever heard that before? So my dad would say that, and I'm thinking, what a liar, you know? <laughs> And, it's gonna, and, and then he's saying, if he says that, and my other thought is, well, then, then don't do it, because I would hate for you to be hurt. You know? and, so, and so the disciples here listening to Jesus, and Jesus says, it's for your benefit that I'm leaving. And they had to be thinking, well, don't leave. You know, this can't be good. 
Why is Jesus leaving? Why did he want to go to the cross? Well, the reason why is because Jesus knew of this thing called sin. And there's this, there is a penalty that comes with sin, and it plagues all of us. In, in Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if our sin isn't paid for, then, then we have this debt. And the way it's paid, and it's never paid off completely, is that we are separated from God for an eternity in this place called hell. And so without... Without somebody stepping in to help us out, y'all, we have no redemption. And so that's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to pay for our sin. Now, now how, how come Jesus could pay for our sin? He's the Son of God. He's the only one who ever lived a perfect life. And he gave up his perfect life to pay for the sin and the debt that we couldn't pay. And so that's why Jesus said, I have to leave. It benefits you. I'm leaving here, but when I leave here, I am sending another one in my place. And he calls him in our text. He says, I am sending a counselor. Now that word counselor, it's, it's, talking, it's, it's talking about, it's a legal term. It's talking about a lawyer. Jesus said, I am sending a defense attorney who's going to come in my stead. And he'll say, why do I need a lawyer? You know, why do I need a defense attorney? Because you are guilty. Everybody in this room and outside of this room is guilty of sin. And so we need a lawyer who can defend us. Now, who is this lawyer? Well, the Bible lets us know that it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about this in John 14, 15 through 18. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. So Jesus said, I am sending another counselor in my place. That word another is really neat. It means the same as. So whenever Jesus said, I'm leaving, he didn't say, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm sending in like second team to help you out when I leave. Jesus said, I am sending the Holy Spirit, the counselor, who is the same as me, who has the same authority as I do, and it's for your benefit. How? Well, when Jesus was here physically, I mean, he could only be at one place at one time physically when the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is able to be with all people, all believers, at all times, regardless of where they are, because He's not bound by physicality. And you know, there are some of you who can give testimony of a time whenever you, you weren't even in here, but maybe you're at work or you're out on vacation, wherever you might have been, and you sense God's Spirit impressing something on your heart dealing with you, talking to you, leading you, comforting you, reminding you that He's with you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comforts us. Let me try to give you an example. There's a story about a blues singer named Jimmy Reed in the 1950s and 60s. I have no idea who he is. But uh, Jimmy Reed is a blues singer. He's a very gifted musician. And they said that when he would play, he'd get so caught up in his music that he would forget the words of the song that he was singing. 
And so if you ever got one of his albums, they said you can hear in the background, right before he's getting ready to sing a verse, you can hear a woman's voice faintly saying what he's getting ready to sing. And after he hears it, then he begins to sing it. Now, what happens, he'd get so caught up in music, he would forget the lyrics. So when he came into the studio, he'd bring his wife. And his wife would, as he was playing the music, she would, she would whisper to him the words of the verse, and when he'd hear it, then he'd begin to sing. And I thought, yeah, that, there's a parallel here. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. As we go through this life, as we get busy, there are times when the Holy Spirit will begin to whisper us, whisper to us the words of God and the leadership of God. And if we listen, it is then that we can begin to sing what God's Word says, to apply it to our lives, and remember that that God's with us. Holy Spirit whispers God's words to us to remind us that He's never left us, and He never will. So what's the function of the Holy Spirit? Well, the first function of the Holy Spirit is He provides comfort. But here's another aspect of the Holy Spirit. Another function of the Holy Spirit is He also convicts us of sin. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin. In verse number 8, it says, When He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in Me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father's. Jesus, I'm getting ready to leave. And He says, And you will no longer see Me. And about judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. One of the main functions of God's Spirit is that when you are living outside of God's bounds, He will convict you of sin. And there are some of you who know exactly what I'm talking about. And you can do something, you know it's not right, and I mean, it's like almost immediately you have like a, this, this twinge, you know, so to speak, in your spirit. You know, I'm not supposed to be doing that. That, that. that is the job of the Holy Spirit. Now for many people, this goes against their idea of God because we like to think of God as being accepting, his arms are open wide to everybody, doesn't care how you live, doesn't care what you do, just come on in, you're going to be fine. And there's no doubt as you read through scripture, God's arms are open wide to us, to everybody. Guys, when he brings you into his family, there has to be a move on your part to decide that you're going to live not according to your standards, but according to his. And I think that's where a lot of us end up losing it with God. We want to receive, you know, like the benefits of everything, but without having to put ourselves under his lordship. And Jesus says that's, that's the whole issue of sin that we're going to talk about. That, that word sin, I've said this before, it means to miss the mark. And it's, of course, it's a picture, I've mentioned this, of an archer shooting an arrow at a target and he misses the target. Now, you can miss it by an inch, miss it by a mile, a miss is a miss. You might say, well, then what's the tar- what is the target that God has in store for people who follow him? The target is God's word. The target is to live according to the leadership of God. That when we see what he says, that we are obedient to him and we will follow. Now, if we don't follow him, then we are missing the target. We are in sin. Now, not many people like to hear that. Because we like to think, you know, hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what target you're shooting at, you know. You're going to be okay. And we don't like to point out this thing called sin. Because with sin, you know what sin means? It means there's a right way. And it means there's a wrong way. And we want everybody to feel okay about that. I want myself to feel okay about me. I think a good microcosm of this is like in, 
in children's sports, and I love children's sports, so don't get me wrong, but I just think it's weird. Everybody gets a trophy now, right? I mean, we all gripe about this. You know, people that are my age, it's like one of the, it's the old days. You know, it's like one of our stories. I walk to school six miles, up, you know, uphill both ways. For me, it's the, these trophy deals. And, and we, we want everybody to get a trophy. And again, I like trophies. But we want everybody to get a trophy because it just makes us feel bad to say that some team wins and somebody else loses. You know, we, we want everybody to be, we want everybody to be okay. We don't want anybody to be left out. And we've allowed this kind of standard to shift over even into to the spiritual realm. Well, it's not really right or wrong. It really doesn't matter what you serve or how you live. In the big picture, everybody's going to end up being okay. That's not what the Bible says. Now, there's a fine line for, for Christians, for believers to walk. Now, my job, your job is not to convict people of sin. I've tried it. You know, I've tried to convict people and just beat the tar out of them. And that's not my job. If I'm going to convict people of sin like that and carry a bat, then I better carry a bat for myself and just beat myself in the head while I'm at it. Because, guys, I, I sin as well. But I do, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't give me freedom not to ever say anything. I have been instructed by God to speak the truth of God's word, to point out what's sinful and what's not. Now, the truth is the work of the Holy Spirit in convicting us, it's, it's not mean-spirited. You know what it is? Conviction is grace. It's grace that comes from God. And try to think of it like this. Let's say that you're, you know, you're going, uh, you have a friend that's taking you home. And as they're driving you home, they miss the turn, the left turn to your street. What are you going to do? Are you just going to go along for the ride and say, I, man, I don't want to make them feel bad. You know, I don't want to point out that they're wrong. We're just going to keep on going. You're not going to do that. You'll say, hey, man, you missed, you missed my, I need you to turn around. You missed the street. Now, let me ask you, is, is that mean-spirited? Is, is, that, is that bigoted? No. I mean, if, if you're going to get where you want to go, you're going to point out that that person made a wrong turn. Well, in a very similar sense, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He points out when we get off, get off on the wrong path. Is he doing it to be mean-spirited? No. He wants us to go down the right path. Because if we don't go down the right path, then we go down a path that, according to Scripture, ultimately will lead to destruction. And what path is that? It's the path of sin. Again, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Now Jesus reminds us in verse number 11, he says that the ruler of this world has already been judged. Who's, who's the ruler of this world? And right now, God has allowed, the, the, the devil's in charge right now. But Jesus said, listen, when I went to the cross, and when I died, then when I rose from the grave, I took the power of death away from the devil so now there's victory. He said, so you don't want to follow the devil's path because if you do, you're just hitching your, you're hitching your life to a loser. You want to hitch your, you want to hitch your life, your wagon, to one who's already victorious, to God. So what's the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, the function is to provide comfort. It's to convict us of sin. And then here's the last one. The, the function of the Holy Spirit is that he gives guidance. And I'm going to read our last few verses, verses 12 through 15. Jesus said this. He said, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you 
into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come, and he will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. And this is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Uh, over the last man, the last ten years, I've I, I've really en- I've really enjoy I really enjoy hunting, and uh, I think probably the best things about it for me I just I just enjoy the opportunity to be outside, you know, to to, to wander around in the woods, maybe to try to figure out where the animals are going to be, and it really is it's cool whenever you see them. Now I have a, a bro- my brother-in-law lives in Idaho, and so I've had the opportunity to go out and hunt with him in Idaho. And uh, we go out there, and the unit we hunt in is 150,000 square miles. It's huge. Now, if I were to go out there by myself, let me tell you, I would be lost. I would have, I, I, y'all, I, I just play at it. I like to talk. I'm, a big, I'm not a big hunter. I just like to go out there and act like I know what I'm doing. I wear, I wear all the good stuff and look cool, but I don't, I'm lost. Now, my brother-in-law has lived there for over 20 years. And what happens, he's my guide. And so whenever I go out there, since he's been there so long, he knows, you know, all the little, all the little nooks and crannies of the land. He knows where the, the game trails are. He knows how they come down from the mountains. All those different things. My job is to follow him. If I don't follow him, I'm lost. If, my job is to follow him because he's going to lead me to where the animals are. That's all I've got to do is follow him. That is a picture of the Holy Spirit. In the verses I just read, it says that the Holy Spirit guides us. Now that word guide means to show, to show us, to show the way. Now notice it doesn't say that he forces the way. The Holy Spirit's role is to open the way up to us, to point it out to us. Now you might say, well what, what way or what path is he pointing out to us? If you look in verse 13, it says the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into the truth. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. Now, what truth is that? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Now, remember the context of our scripture. Jesus told him, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going to be leaving. And then he tells him, he said, But don't be afraid. I'm going to send somebody else in my place, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit. Now, even though Jesus said this, Surely the disciples are a little bit nervous here. You know, if you're if you've ever been in a job before where you've gotten a new boss, doesn't that make you a little bit apprehensive? You, know, you get apprehensive. You think I don't know them that well. I don't know how they operate. You know, I don't know. You know what? You know what their standards are. You know, it's gonna be a little bit different. So anytime somebody new comes along, it makes you nervous because you don't know. You know, like I'm trying to figure out the ground rules here. What's going on? So Jesus is saying, I'm sending somebody new. Now, here's the deal. Jesus didn't say, you're coming under new management. He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. It's the same as me. And he said, and what he's going to do is he's going to remind you of everything that I have taught you. See, the Holy Spirit was simply reinforcing what Christ was already going to teach. Now, even though Christ physically was no longer present with them, he sent the Holy Spirit to remind them how to live. And guys, that's still true for us today. You see, we have the Holy Spirit that the Bible says dwells within every believer, and he reminds us 
of how God wants us to live. Therefore, there's, that's why there's those times in your life when you want to go down a certain path and you just sense something in your spirit saying, don't do that. As a believer, this is the Holy Spirit that is speaking to you. Now, the question is, are you going to listen to His voice? See, I'm afraid what happens to a lot of us is we get so we've, we've heard His voice so many times or we come into the church and we've heard messages and the Holy Spirit's trying to apply and teach us and it can be really inconvenient for us to say, not now. You know, Lord, I'm here. That's good enough. I don't want to do that right now. And what happens is we sort of become immune to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking. An example of this for me is, uh, I guess about six or seven years ago, we moved over into the neighborhood we live in now. We live over in Long Creek. And about a mile from our house, there's, a, there's railroad tracks. And so if you live over there, you know, like at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, you'll hear the train running through. And I mean, when we first moved there, I was thinking, good grief. We, how in the world can we hear that thing? I mean, it'll wake me up. And you can hear it shaking, you know, and, and it's just absolutely crazy. You know, we've lived there now for six or seven years. I don't hear it anymore. Now, it's not because the engineer said, oh, my, I don't want to wake them up anymore. You know, we're going to get a quieter train. It's not what happened. You know what happened? I got used to it. And so now I just tune it out. Guys, that is a danger for us as believers where we look into God's Word and we hear God's Word and we become so used to it that we just start tuning it out. And we start tuning it out because we think, I don't want to do that. It's not convenient right now. And I believe there will come a time where if we continually tune out the voice of the Holy Spirit, that finally God's voice will no longer be heard by us. Now understand this, God has provided for you and for me the opportunity to hear His voice in the 21st century through the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He's here to provide comfort. He is here to convict us of sin. He is here to give us guidance. Now, my guess is a lot of us, we, we'd like to have more leadership in our lives, more spiritual leadership. And I think there's a lot of people who say, you know, I long to know how God wants me to live. I long to experience the presence of God in my life. Guys, you can. You can through the Holy Spirit. But for it to happen, there has to be a willingness on your part, not just to say, I want the benefits without the Lordship, but there comes a time when you have to say, Lord, I will bow before you and I will listen to you above all else. And I'll be obedient. And then I'll let the chips fall where they may. And I'm going to see what God does. Guys, I believe that you and I can see the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us in this community, through this church, through our endeavors, as we simply say, Jesus, I will bow a knee to you and no other. I desire to see, to experience the wave of the Spirit of God moving through our lives. And I know that can sound so weird to talk about, like it's some kind of hocus-pocus stuff. Let me tell you something. God is real, and His Spirit is real. And if you want to experience it and see it for yourself, bow your knee to Jesus and say, Jesus, I choose you above everything else. And Jeremiah 33 says, if we seek Him, we will find Him. Yeah.